I'm Megan. And I'm Christy. And I am Auntie B. Woo! And we are Homebrew Home Murder Crew. Crew. <laughs> Welcome back for episode three. Thank you so much if you've made it this far and tolerating us thus far. <laughs> tolerating you guys. Yeah. Ah, well, you know, they're in for a treat tonight. Oh, they are. Yeah. You know, yeah. they are. Yeah, <laughs> Biatch to fucking. We have Angie love. B here, and she is very much a very big part of this podcast and this whole journey. She just hasn't had the opportunity to be on since now. But I'm here now, yeah. bitches. So yeah, so buckle your butts. Yeah. I'm ready. Buckle your butts. So should I like introduce myself? Yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. Well, hello everybody. So my name is Brittany, or you can call me Auntie B. Mm, I love it. So a little bit about myself. I work full-time at an investment firm as an executive assistant. I live in Calgary with the love of my life, Kyle. Hi, Kyle, if you're listening. Hi, Kyle. Hi, Kyle. Now, the question is, is he listening? (laughs) So anyway, I'll continue. So yeah, I live with Kyle. He supports my like absolutely crazy desire to obsessively dive into these cases. <laughs> I'm sure he thinks I'm a weirdo. We live here with our uh, our two monsters, McConaughey and Mulder. Christy, you know McConaughey very I'm anti, well. I'm anti to McConaughey. Yes, because we adopted McConaughey together. Yeah, we used to live together. We lived together for two years. Yeah. They're cats. Yeah. Oh, yes, they're, they're cats. They're cats. <laughs> I called them monsters, didn't I? <laughs> well, they are monsters. <laughs> uh, but they so, are cats. We didn't adopt a child together. No. <laughs> no, we didn't. We adopted a cat. So I've known Christy Lee here. I've known her for almost 15 years. Uh, actually, kind of the same thing with Megan because we all work together. I'm sure we worked together one time when I covered on McLeod Trail. Oh, I'm pretty sure we did. I'm I can almost sure remember did. that day. I'm yeah, pretty sure you guys too. worked together at Ogden at some point. Yeah, you guys are going to hear a lot about Blockbuster. Yeah, a lot yeah, about Blockbuster with us three. This is where we come from. That's where we grew up from, you know? We've reconnected kind of over the pandemic mm-hmm. and, you know, with this whole true crime, not only Facebook group, but journey. podcast. The, the journey. journey. Yeah. Our passion projects. Our passion projects. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so one of the things you guys discussed is what draws you to true crime in your first episode, mm-hmm. because I did listen. Uh, so I figured I'd let our audience know what draws me to true did crime. Did you listen or did you listen? I listened. So I relate far too much with the reality of true crime and how it affects families and friends of the victims. It's actually kind of ridiculous, the amount of experiences that I've had growing up and the lessons that yeah. have been forced but upon me. some of them, yeah. Yeah, you've been there for quite a few of them, yeah. actually. Uh, so I really relate to the families who are going through these cases and living these realities day to day while the world goes on as if nothing is happening. But on another note, it also fasc- fascinates me. Sorry, I've had a little bit of wine. We Oh, yeah, we bottled some wine tonight. We bottled so some wine tonight, so I've had a couple bottles. Drink a couple bottles. <laughs> what also fascinates me, though, is the mental health mm-hmm. aspect mm-hmm. of these cases. I, myself, I struggle with anxiety and depression. I have for the last, fuck, almost... Pardon me, I'm allowed to swear, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. good, good, good. Yeah, we're 18 plus guys. For the last, for last four years, I've kind of, you know, been dealing with anxiety and depression. So I'm a very big advocate for mental health awareness. So unpopular opinion alert here. I am a huge, huge advocate for taking medication for your mental health if you need it. Okay? Preach! Preach, baby, preach! Like, honestly, I will be 
the first person to call a suspect an idiot. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you hear is, well, they decided to stop taking their medication because that's the sad fact of life right now is that not a lot of people have told their stories yeah. about mental health. That's why it is so still, important. Yeah, and it's still so, it's, it's so like, uh, what's that word? Like faux pas stigmatized it's it's taboo you know to talk about it because it's it's not something that you can't that you can see like it's not a physical ailment it's not a broken leg it's not xyz right well exactly but but that's the thing look at it from this aspect too is that there's a lot of people in the world with diabetes Mm -hmm. you can't look at somebody and know if they're diabetic or not unless they're like but but you would but you would still treat somebody with insulin right you Mm -hmm. wouldn't deny them insulin in fact if you found out someone was diabetic and they weren't taking their insulin you'd get mad at them yeah and it should be the same thing with mental health and i'm hoping one day maybe we'll get there and with the more people speaking up about it being honest about it and how it affects them i think we will eventually get there um so um last note on that is i'm just going to say always 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 if going on medication, coming off medication, especially for mental health, please use doctor supervision when doing so. It is vitally important. They know what they're doing. Just trust them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I'm an advocate for that for sure. And that's why we're here together, my uh, dear. That's why we're here together. <laughs> I feel like we need a cheers there. There we go. Praise be to him. I do want to, before I start, I just want to give a shout out to you girls and say how amazing you guys have done on your first two episodes. Like, I know how thank nervous. You so thank you. Thank you. I know thank how you. nervous I am. It's been tough. Like, it's it's definitely, it's a learning curve. There's really? a lot of amazing true crime podcasts out mm-hmm. there. And I'm just going to plug one of my favorites right now, which is Morbid. Which, which <gasps> Megan actually, Megan actually put me on to. And I just love <laughs> that producer podcast and that sort of thing. They're our inspiration. <laughs> they really are. But we appreciate you guys being with us in our infancy, like I've said before, as we grow. And I promise you, it's only going to get better. Yeah. And bitches got me. Yeah, you got me now. I'm I'm kidding. I'm triple, 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 triple. Also, I will say, I hope you haven't tuned in for a happy ending because, unfortunately, there has not been a happy ending for this case I'm about to go over yet. It is an unsolved case. This is an ever common theme amongst the missing and murdered, especially missing and murdered Indigenous women. Indigenous women are 12 times more likely to be murdered or go missing than any other woman in Canada. With most of their cases going unsolved, they go unspoken about, not only by the authorities, but by the media. And these stories need to be told. These victims and the families, they need their justice. I am myself a proud reconnecting member of the Cody First Nation. So as an Indigenous woman myself, these cases, these women, I relate to on a deeply personal level, which is why I'm here to tell their stories, to bring attention to their cases, to give them a voice because they can no longer speak and they have been silenced for so long. I think it is time we gather around and we listen to the unsolved case of Amber Tukaro.
before I start, I do have to share kind of like a neat little piece of information here. Um, I found the Facebook group that's set up. It's called Justice for Amber to Grow. Okay. And I decided that I was going to send a message to this group. I imagine it's like run by her family, friends, whatever. And I just wanted to, one, ask permission if they'd be okay with me talking about their story, but also just let them know that it was happening. Mm-hmm. And you guys will not believe this. I actually got a reply back from the group and I'm going to read you the response right now. So I had just said basically what I said right now. And the response I got, hi, that would be awesome if you did. And I appreciate it so much. We have to keep Amber's story alive and try to get justice. Thank you again. Smiley face. Instantly when I got that message, when I got that reply, all of a sudden my story and how I was researching it or talking about it, it changed because I knew that they were going to want me to send this episode to them. And I wanted to make sure that I did justice for Amber's story and and, and to get the word out there, um, not only for Amber, but for all the other Indigenous women that even still today have to worry all the time about these fears. And and I'm grateful to you ladies for inviting me to participate in this type of platform so that I can be a voice for these Indigenous women. Absolutely. Amber Alyssa Tukaro was born on January 3rd, 1990. She was a mother to an adorable baby boy, Jacob. Amber was a member of the Mikasiu Cree First Nation. She lived with her mother, Vivian, also known as Tootsie, So they lived in Fort McMurray, along with the rest of her family. She was a daughter, a sister, an auntie. Tootsie would often preach to her daughter common sense and warn her on stranger danger. Now, okay, listen, I was 20 once. I rebelled. I snuck out of the house. I definitely did not always listen to mom. I made the worst decisions when I was in my 20s. Oh, God. Like the most should not even be here today. No, I know. <laughs> I'll just say this though, you know, uh, we have been in these situations and that's why I bring this up because this story could be any yeah. single one of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So please, ladies in the audience, listen to mom. Listen to mom. Listen to mama bear. My mm. son is 18 months old. He's my firstborn. I don't even know that stage of life yet when it comes to child rearing, but I'm looking into the future and I'm dreading it. Oh, and I, like, oh boy. I was dreading the future before. And I don't even have kids. On August 17th, Amber, her 17 month old son, her friend all took flight from Fort McMurray to Edmonton, Alberta to save money. The trio decided that they were going to stay outside of Edmonton. And then they would just kind of travel into yeah. the city when they're ready to go in. Makes sense. So they stayed at a little motel called Nixu Place Motel, just a little ways outside. So fast forward to the next evening, the evening of August 18th, 2010. Amber decides to go into the city of Edmonton that evening there. She's supposed to wait and go the next day with both her friend and Jacob. Right. But for some reason, she decides that she's going to go in to the city. Honestly, the reasons out there are still not known. And there's a lot of conversation about why she leaves her son, Jacob in the care of her friend at the motel and leaves it to start hitchhiking into the city. Amber would never return. 
By the next day, Amber's friend that she was with at the motel that was watching Jacob, she decides to call Amber's mom, Tootsie, Mm -hmm. to kind of be like, yo, have you seen from her or heard from her? Sorry. Have you, like, has she reached out to you? Yeah. No. Radio silence, which is weird because Amber's actually been in contact with her mother pretty well the whole time she's been away. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know that's the first thing that I do when I get anywhere from traveling. I message you guys, my family, Kyle, if he's not with well, me. Well, yeah, you definitely message him yeah. all the time. Like, yeah, well, yeah. and it's also just letting people know you're safe, too, yeah. though, right? And yeah. and I feel like that's kind of just known. Like, you get somewhere, you let the people know that care about yeah. you, that you're safe. Yeah. Well, she goes into radio silence. So Tootsie hasn't heard from her. And now she's heard that her friend hasn't seen her, that she's with in Edmonton. Yeah. And she has her son, but no idea where Amber is. Mm -hmm. So naturally, Tootsie's freaking out, wondering what the hell. And she decides that it's time to file a missing persons report because she would never leave Jacob unattended without communicating where she was or anything like that, right? Tootsie decides it's time to file that missing persons report with the RCMP. And for our viewers, our listeners out there, that don't know what the RCMP is. It's the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Yeah. Now, audience participation time, you guys. Okay. Okay. True mm-hmm. or false? The first 48 hours are the most important in an investigation, and authorities should immediately jump on the case and get word out. True. True story. Have you ever watched 48 Hours? <laughs> Duh. There's a whole <laughs> show dedicated on it. The first 48 hours are the most thank you exactly so this is what i'm talking about like that just seems to us now like common sense but unfortunately in this case i'm just gonna call it what it is it's ignorance it's not negligence it's ignorance when tootsie filed her complaint with the rcmp they would tell her she needs to be missing for 24 hours this and they told her that this was not a priority they said she is probably out partying, out for recreation, and she will show up tomorrow. And it wouldn't be until August 20th, 2010, after those crucial 48 hours, that she would actually be put on the missing persons oh, report. Man. Yikes. It's so frustrating because, like, obviously, at the time that Tootsie called, she probably would have had to, you know, provide a description of her daughter. Which would include, you know, her ethnicity. But see, but that's that's where the issue is in this investigation. And it is because when Tootsie called the RCMP, the Leduc Police Department, uh, she was basically told, oh, well, your daughter's Indigenous, so she must be out partying. Yeah, which is disgusting. Yeah, it, like, it's an it's, assumption based off it's of nothing. It's a stereotype is what it is. Yes. It's a stereotype, and you're telling me, you know, law enforcement, that you're making calls based on ethnicity, stereotypes based upon those ethnicities over, you know, what's being called in, like what's truly being called in. Like, take off your blinders yes. and actually take a look and listen to these families. Well, and don't assume, in. don't assume yeah. that because you're dealing with X type of person that you know that type of person. Because I think, exactly. I think out of the three of us, the things that we've learned 
are that we all have our own stories. We all, we all have our own struggles mm-hmm. and our own tragedies that we've witnessed, but a part of whatever, and they've all affected us in really different ways. Yeah. And it's not fair to put what happens to one person, how they, the, how they handle it and put that on another person. Exactly. You know? Agreed. It, we all go through struggles. The difference with indigenous women is that there's our, that generational trauma yes. that's, that's included in that. Yes. Lives. Like, I don't care what your ethnicity is. I don't care if you're in trouble or if somebody that you love is in trouble. That should be important. We need that person who's not going to allow it to taper off. Well, we because it doesn't. I know, but I know those people exist. But I want. I'm. I'm happy to be able to give somebody like you a platform to be that in between person that says, "Hey, just because you're not hearing it on the news doesn't mean it's not still happening." Other people need to remember just because it's not on the forefront yeah. of your mind does not mean that people are not still day to day in the hour you're living going through something completely different. Exactly. There's so much world out there. Yeah. So it actually wouldn't be until August 20th, 2010, after those crucial 48 hours, that Amber would actually be put on the Leduc Police Department's missing persons list. Oh, and it even goes as far as this. Less than three weeks after Amber's disappearance, a media relations officer with the Leduc RCMP was even quoted in a local newspaper saying, we don't have any reason to believe she's in danger. We know that she's in the Edmonton area. Well, I'm here to tell you that they didn't know she was in the Edmonton area and she wasn't in the Edmonton area. But for now, we're going to go back to Amber. So as I said, Amber left Nickasoo Place Motel the evening of August 18th. Amber was an independent and like us, very hard-headed but persistent individual. She had sights to see, experiences to have, and people to meet. The evening was a warmer one for Canada's weather. We all know how yeah. <laughs> it can be pretty cold here, but it was it was about like, well, it's August. So it's yeah. like 15, 16 degrees. Yeah. Yes, I looked up the weather on that day. Celsius <laughs> for those in the U.S. or anywhere else. Oh, yeah. Celsius. Yeah, Sorry, Celsius. not Fahrenheit. A perfect night to hitchhike, I guess. Sure. Also, can I just say... No, There's because no perfect night to hitchhike. Like, no, so, no, we're not in the 70s anymore. This isn't like, oh, yeah, gosh, please don't avoid do it. it. Avoid it. Just if you can't walk the whole way, just get don't an go. Uber or bike, Uber, an Uber, bike, or just don't go. Or just stranger danger, everybody. Yeah. Like hitchhiking is strange, such... strangerous, dangerous, strangerous, dangerous. That was hard to say. Dangerous, dangerous. <laughs> That's my. <laughs> No words. <laughs> she would set off, hitchhike, and be picked up by an unknown male, and she would accept a ride from him. Now, this is where I'm going to need your guys' undivided attention, because what happened next, Amber's brother, who at the time was incarcerated in Edmonton's remand center, actually calls her while she's in this truck with this unknown male. And all these conversations are recorded. So the conversation between Amber and the man suspected of her killer is actually recorded. Wow. On August 28th, 2012, two years after 
she went missing, Project Care and the RCMP would release 61 seconds of the 17-minute long recording. So what we're going to do is we're going to play the recording for you, and we ask that you pay close attention to the male suspect's voice, who is clearly heard in the background. I'm going to give a warning here. The recording is of Amber's last known 17 minutes of life. This clip is evidence of Amber knowing something wasn't right in that vehicle. Something wasn't right with that man. And you can hear her get more and more upset. If you are sensitive to these types of things, consider yourself now warned. Where are we by? We're just having something uh, going on. We're heading north to Beaumont. Yo, where are we going? No, let's go. Are you fucking kidding me? You better not take me anywhere. I don't want to go. I want to go into the city. Yo, we're not going in the city, are we? No, we're not. So where are these roads going to? 50th Street. 50th Street. Are you sure? Absolutely. Yo, where are we going? 50th Street. 50th Street. 50th Street. So, you guys. <laughs> that was rough to hear. That was hard to hear. Like, there's a lot of stuff that's unintelligible in the... Um, we'll link the YouTube or the link where you can listen and, and watch that clip. <clears throat> There's a lot that's unintelligible, but essentially Amber keeps asking where, where she's, she's going. going and are you sure this is where we're going? And he tells her he's taking her down the back roads. So a lot of the locals that have listened to this recording have stated that they feel like he's trying to confuse her because yeah. a lot of the landmarks that he's mentioning a lot of the streets he's mentioning, they are actual spots within mm. Edmonton, between Leduc and Edmonton. But there's no gravel roads. There's yeah. no gravel roads going into Edmonton. 50th Street's not a gravel road. So a lot of locals suspect that he was actually taking her in the opposite direction. South, oh, I hate this. Yeah, from Edmonton. And now, I have listened to this recording multiple times, and every time I, I get full body chills, and it is very difficult to listen to. I can only imagine how difficult it was for Tootsie yeah. to listen to, because she has listened to the entire 17 minutes. And I need, I need to emphasize this again, you guys. The reason this recording is so important, the recording of the male's voice is the male suspect believed to have murdered Amber. He has not been apprehended, and as far as we know, he is still out there preying on innocent, beautiful women who do not deserve this kind of tragedy to yeah. come into their lives. And yeah, you guys heard me say this correctly, that Amber Tukuro's investigation into her disappearance has now turned into a murder investigation. Mm -hmm. Four days after the audio was released, on September 1st, 2012, horseback riders would find Amber's remains on a rural property near Leduc County. 
Her remains were identified by dental records. That's really all there was after that amount of time out in, you know, the elements. Can you, um, the timeline, sorry. Yeah. What's the timeline? August 17th, 2010, Mm -hmm. she leaves for Edmonton. The next day on August 18th, 2010, she goes missing. Two days later on August 20th, 2010, she's put on the missing persons report. And now will you fast forward two years? Two years. Two years. Oh my God. Is how long it took them to release that audio. Mm -hmm. On September 1st, 2012, Four days after the audio was released, Mm -hmm. Amber was found almost 17 minutes away from Nick Skew Place Motel, where the trio stayed. What? Yeah. This is the same duration of Amber's phone call with her brother that was recorded that night. So the entire phone call captures basically her trip with that guy. And when it goes dead is when she's in... When she's murdered, my heart and hurts and that's where her body so much at. right now. My yeah. heart hurts. Like, wow. I'm sick. I know. But I do want to go back to the audio recording because, again, this is where you, as the listener, can help find justice for Amber. Mm-hmm. Listen to the man's voice. Somebody out there knows him. So I want to give you a little bit of just a perspective into this guy. Okay. Picture yourself as Amber. Because so easily it could have been any one of us in this situation. Yeah. You're going to Edmonton. You're hitchhiking. You get into a car. You're happy-go-lucky. And you're having an adventure. Slowly but surely you start realizing you're not going to where you want to be going. And the man that you're beside, you're getting vibes from. And this man is. He's, he's confusing her. He's lying to her. That mixed with the ever so slightly deranged laugh that you hear in the video that we spoke mm-hmm. about earlier. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. I think that too is that she obviously had some sort of knowledge of what to do in that kind of situation because she really tries to get a location from yeah. that guy. It's very clear if you're obsessed with true crime like we are. Listening to that, I could tell right away that she knows she is in danger. Exactly. And she's doing what she can, knowing that somebody is listening to get a location on where she is or to get him talking. Mm-hmm. Anything she can do, like you can tell that she definitely knows that something is not right. She probably doesn't know if she's being recorded because I think it's public knowledge that all calls to a penitentiary are recorded. Yes. Well, and I think this is where we need to give her mom Tootsie some credit because she had that in her mind and she was thinking that and she was doing what she did in that moment because of all those warnings that Mm -hmm. Tootsie had given her Mm -hmm. prior to this incident happening. Yeah. Especially this day and age, like when we were young, like when I was in my when I was 19, 18, 19, I had one of those Nokia phones, right? Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, sure. You could crack skulls with that. Right. Crack <laughs> skulls with that. Police kept paying off a tower, whatever. But like, it's not like now where you can share your location. Like any chance you get in it, if you're in a compromising situation, different to you that you're kind of anxious about, go ahead and share your location with somebody. Just use those resources and make sure that people know where you are. 
every single time I leave Megan's house, I have to tell her that I'm home. Sometimes she doesn't always do it. But same thing every morning. I'm Many theories have come to the surface about what happened to Amber, who murdered her, all from like a known sexual predator to like some son calling in on his father being like, oh, my father is the person that did this. Like there's a lot. I do want to talk about and normally I wouldn't like point fingers or anything, but I do feel Mm -hmm. like it is important as women who live here in Alberta. If you're in Alberta, you need to know about this man. When the audio recording was released, there were three women, random women. They didn't know each other. They all came to the RCMP and identified the exact same man as the voice in the video. Wow. Yeah. So this man's name is Pat Carson. Megan, look at this guy. That's the guy? That's the guy. Yeah. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll post that picture there, too. Because regardless, again, even if it's not, even if if he is not the offender, obviously he still has a history of being. He has a criminal record. Yeah, exactly. So he has a criminal record for being a sex offender. Exactly. So So, sorry if you have that record out there. We're gonna call you out. Sorry, not sorry. Be a better person. (laughs) Yeah. True story. And I normally wouldn't mention names. However, this man has an entire website dedicated to him and his sexual predatory ways. Like warning women. Because what he does essentially is he goes on Craigslist, whatever. And he's like, oh, I got a job for you. Come work at my, my ranch. And then they're subjected to really inappropriate, unacceptable behavior. And there's been multiple, multiple stories. So there is a website dedicated to this man. I am going to post it in the resources mm-hmm. because I do think it's important for women around this area not to fall victim to that kind of things. So just as a side note, because like as you're saying this, I'm searching it. There's a blog. There's a Facebook. There's a Twitter. Yeah. There's um. Oh, there's a LinkedIn. Wild Horse Ranch, <laughs> self-employed. Because this man is still a functioning individual in yeah. society today. Another theory, you guys, is that there's actually a serial killer in Leduc, Alberta. <sighs> okay. There has been multiple missing person reports between 2000 and 2010. Okay. Four of these cases still remain unsolved today. All on rural properties, all last seen in Edmonton between April of 2003 and May of 2004, and all found within an eight-kilometer radius of each other. Yikes. Oh, boy. And then add on top that all the profiles of the victims are eerily similar. Similar? All right. Let's get back to the investigation. And one of the many flaws that occurred during it. Especially the way the RCMP have handled this from the beginning. Well, exactly, right? I do know RCMP members personally. Mm -hmm. So I know that they're amazing individuals. You remember me telling you that Amber was not put on the missing persons list until two days after she went missing on August 20th. Well, you think that's bad? Well, on August 28th, 2010... Leduc Police Department takes her off the missing persons list. Doesn't tell her family. What? Has 
yeah has zero evidence that she's uh, alive uh of her location anything Deceased or anything like that nothing so what fucking reason do they have doing that Okay, well, their reason was, like, a gas station attendant. He said that, oh, well, I saw someone that looked like Amber. Oh, my God. Actually, that was it. That was the whole reason she was oh taken off the missing persons list. And you know what? Okay, if you're going to do that, that's one thing. I just want to bash my head against this <laughs> Right? <laughs> but then not to tell her family right. that you're doing that. It would be a whole month. 30 days, you guys. A whole month later, until a Duke police department would actually put her back on the missing persons list. Oh my goodness. Right? Holy. Holy. And to add insult to already devastating in- like injury, they got rid of her personal belongings that she had that were at the motel that she was staying at. So the only physical evidence in this case was destroyed what wait so why why didn't they just give them back to her family that is the big question now isn't it so they can't answer that question for tootsie who obviously wants to know the same fucking question but when she was taken off the missing persons list her body hadn't even been found at this time oh so when they put out the missing persons report it was 48 hours after she went missing yes they took her off the list without informing her family on august 28th august 28th and put her back on about a month a month later, later. and that's when they discovered that her belongings had been destroyed yes what the so, fuck? so two years after her belongings were destroyed that her body was found yeah holy shit yeah that's a big blip in time that of is like a- just and nobody's asking <sighs> questions like nobody's pushing for why questions that the media has just been okay accepting as not answered and it drives me crazy this friend that she went with there's no information on the friend that she went with at all like and i'm not saying that there was anything to do with her friend but there's no information out there right there's no information out there about why she left that friend and went to edmonton even when you take her up the list there's no resolution like you haven't found a body you haven't been able to determine where she is. It's months like yeah, you take up. her off, and then a month later, after you have all this time to sort through your fucking dirty laundry, mm-hmm. you put her back on the missing persons list. Like to to what? Make her family happy? Because I guarantee you, they're not very happy. Oh with the no, no. you've been making now, Megan. You just said cover up. That cover is. Up. <laughs> that is one of the theories that is out there. Absolutely. And is I that someone why. that's a part of the Leduc Police Department, uh, closely aligned with the RCMP? You know, there's a cover up on behalf of them. Now, that again, just a theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no evidence supporting that. But the way you went in your mind is the mm-hmm. way that a lot of people went. Yeah. Okay. So on this whole topic with the injustices of the RCMP, all I'm doing is acknowledging that there is an entity out there that has run one way for so long that needs change. Right. On March 20th, 2014, Tootsie filed a complaint with the chair of the Commission for Public Complaints against the Leduc RCMP. The complaint says investigators downplayed Amber's disappearance and took her off the missing persons list after one month despite no one seeing her. 
The report, get this, you guys, was released in 2018. This is four years after the initial complaint from Tootsie. Oh, my God. It found that the investigation, quote, was deficient in that various members were either not properly trained or did not adhere to their training. Leduc RCMP say that its policies and procedures have since been changed as a result of the Amber Tukaro investigation. Oh. Slow clap. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. But get this. Not sorry. Get this, though. They also issued a public apology to the Tukaro family. Of course. And honestly, rightfully so, they rejected it mm-hmm. because after it. This many years Nine of years? in yeah of injustice to Amber Tukaro yeah and what she went through I don't I don't fucking blame them. No. <laughs> so as we wrap up here, I would love to hear what you as the audience think. I would love for every single one of you to start talking about this case. Look into it for yourself. The more we know about it, the more we speak about it the louder Amber's voice will be. And hopefully, sometime very, very, very soon, this evil will finally be unmasked and Amber Tukaro's family can finally start to heal. I want to leave this episode coming back to Jacob, Amber's 14-month-old son at the time she went missing. I want to talk about him because he will never, ever be raised by Amber now. All those memories have been taken from him. Fortunately, Tootsie has taken custody of Jacob and takes very, very good care of him. And, you know, he's a large part of Amber that she has. The only part of Amber that she has. So I want to leave you with a quote from Tootsie describing Jacob now, so many years after his mom went missing. The way he looks at me sometimes and the way he stands like his mummy, the way he says words, he says them the way Amber used to. Amber had a witty attitude and that's what Jacob has. I'm literally tearing up. (laughs) Wow. So that is a lot to unpack here. It Um, is a lot to unpack. We're going to include all the links to all the resources to the story in the show notes we're also going to include the link to crime stoppers if you listen to that recording a hundred times and if that voice sounds familiar to you call them if you're not comfortable doing it you can always contact mm-hmm. us and we'll do it on your behalf and please share this episode with especially if you're in the Alberta, Edmonton, Duke area. If you can please share this episode with everybody that you know in that area. Mm-hmm. We're on 11. Somebody knows him. Yeah, 11 years, 11. you guys. Somebody, somebody of knows. no answers yeah. for Amber's family. And my biggest ask is to research, educate, and acknowledge. Mm-hmm. Because that is what's going to make change in our world. It's not about pointing fingers or passing blame is about acknowledging what has happened, what continues to happen, and how we, we as people, as human beings, can change the perception. Yes. 
You guys, thank you so much for joining us for our third episode. Brittany, you did an amazing job telling that story. Thank, uh, thank you. Thank you so much for well, sharing thank, that with us. Thank you for having me. Yes. Absolutely. You're part of this. Yes. We are a truffle. A truple. A truple. Truple. We're trouble. We are a tripod. Um, you guys, our listeners, can find us on our socials. We are on TikTok at Homebrew Murder Crew. You can find us on Instagram at Homebrew Murder Crew. You can also email us at homebrewmurdercrew at gmail.com. And we would love to hear your input, your criticism, your whatever you want us to cover. Give it all to us. We can handle it. Tune in. In two weeks? Nah, in two weeks for our next episode. One week! One yes. Week. <laughs> one week, one week. ladies. One Tune week. Next week we've got, oh my God, I got a doozy free next week. Anyways, thank you so much, you guys. We love you so much. We hope to see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.